Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Adam McRoberts, and this is the Do Big Things Podcast, episode number 115. I hope you all had a great holiday and are looking forward to a new year. January 1st is always a special time for me. I love New Year's. I love setting New Year's resolutions. A lot of people guffaw at this tradition. I know, I know. The gyms and the trails and the martial arts schools and the yoga studios are always more crowded in the month of January. And then by February, things have died down. Did you know that 88% of millennials say that they'll make a resolution for 2022? However, statistically, 80% of those resolutions won't stick. What if I set three resolutions and only one of them sticks? Is that a failure? I say no. That's progress. Progress towards our goals. Progress towards our best version. Just as Rome wasn't built in a day, it took me about a thousand tries to finally quit drinking after I knew it was a problem. I say keep trying. I say keep swinging. Move your direction by just one degree. Eventually things are going to happen. Eventually you may wake up and be living the life you want to live. A life beyond your wildest dreams with love and passion and abundance being your closest friends. What will your resolution be for 2022? My guest this week, William Boxcar Curry, takes one step at a time towards progress and recovery. After a hard life of following around the Grateful Dead and hopping trains all over the country, Boxcar eventually gave up the hard drinking and the hard drugs for simply putting one foot in front of the other. He discovered walking, which led to hiking, which led to long-distance thru-hikes. He's hiked some of the biggest trails in the U.S., and now he's even dipping his toes into the ultramarathon world. He's the founder of Trails of Recovery, where he helps others get, get and stay sober through the power of movement. The power of one step at a time. I apologize for the sound quality of this episode. Uh, we did the best we could. I hope to have old Boxcar back on the show at some point to make up for it. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. If you need coaching, pacers, or crew for your ultra marathon next year, look us up. Get us on the books. Whether you're new to the sport or an elite, we have got somebody for you. You can find everything at big-things-crewing.com. If you'd like to support us, our mission, or be a part of the Do Big Things tribe, we are on Patreon. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can support us for a month. And you don't know how much we'd appreciate it. Patreon.com slash do big things. I'd like to welcome our newest sponsors to the show, Alter Ego Running and Bigger Than the Trail. Stick around to the end of the show and I'm going to get you guys some promo codes for items or services that are just going to enhance your outdoor adventures. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for my man, William Boxcar Curry. Yeah! This is the Do Big Things Podcast where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. 
Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. William Curry, aka Boxcar. How you doing, man? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm great. I'm great. Um, give us an intro, William. Tell us who you are, brother. Man, uh, you know, I'm just uh, really, I'm just a normal everyday guy who's pretty much devoted the last decade or so of his life to the uh, long distance backpacking and to the hiking community. And now, you know, transferring over into the running community, primarily the trail running community and ultra running community, but still never, you know, given up on my uh, my roots as long as backpacking is kind of uh, gearing more towards like FKTs and stuff now, as opposed to, you know, just uh, hiking, trying yeah. to just hike faster now, I think. Oh, so you're sort of crossing over into the ultra world now. I, I am slowly, um, nice. slowly crossing over into some some longer races, bigger days type stuff. Uh, okay. Okay. You know, yeah. Yeah. Do you have races on the calendar or anything specific you're looking at? I mean, I'm an ultra runner, uh, and that's most of our listeners probably are as well. Nice. I, I do have uh, a few races this year lined up for 2022. Um, I have the Whispering Times 12 hour. Yeah, in Inverness, Florida, it's a race that I've done for the last four years or so. Um, and when I have uh, the Dan Yeti 55K yep. uh, coming up in Damascus, and I have uh, the Sugar Badger as soon as it goes on sale. Huh. I have uh, I, I'm planning on registering for it, and uh, that's that's all I have confirmed this year. But cool. you know, uh, we'll see how my body does. And, uh, you know, how I adjust to, to the 12 pages. That's the first one in February coming up here. So however it adjusts to that, nice. um, you know, I like to knock an FKT on. I was looking at the Pinhody this year. Huh. I was maybe trying to do it. And that's a, that's a pretty tough one to beat right now. But For sure. I think it's like five days or something. So. Yeah, um, you know, there's an FKT, a smaller FKT on the radar, whether it be the Pinhody or the uh, Bitmacai Trail, something okay. like that. Trying to knock one of them out in a sub five day. Yeah, cool, man. Um, yeah. yeah, it's funny. My last podcast guest, the the I'm talking about a podcast that hasn't been released yet. I think it comes out next Tuesday. Uh, her name was Tara Dower, and she just set an FKT on the Pinhody Trail like two weeks ago. And she's also oh, wow. done the Benton Mackay Trail as well. So you might have to wow. dig into that now, podcast. I might, have, I might have listened to that on Spotify or something the other day. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was like, this is cool. That's and, cool, man. Yeah, and that's the time that I'm talking about. I think she was like sub five days or something. Yep. And I was like, it, it was primarily like I go into FKTs as like a personal challenge. Uh-huh. And you know, not necessarily to try to beat anyone's time, but try to beat my best time and just mm-hmm. give it my hundred percent. And you know, uh, if I do it in sub five days, then great. If I do it in six days, that's 
No, it's, it's the same for me, really. Yeah, all that matters is your own personal goals and, and beating your own time anyways, you know, trying to beat other people's time. It's all it's all arbitrary. It's it's fun. It's good competition, but you know, what's it really mean in the long run? In a hundred years, who's gonna care? But yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's all it's all just fun anyways, you know, it doesn't it, it doesn't I mean, I look at it like anybody who just gets out there even for a day hike is accomplishing something. It doesn't 100%. have to always be an SKT or, or an ultra marathon. You know, you get, you get out there and put one foot in front of the other, you're doing a lot more than a lot of people. So, yeah, 100%. You, know. you mentioned uh, the Sugar Badger. Are you friends with uh, that race director, Scott Coomer? Um, you know, I think we're uh, social media friends. Okay. Um, have, have messaged a little bit back and forth uh, with each other. Uh, never have met him personally or anything. It's all okay. just online social media type stuff. But he listened to the podcast uh, from time to time. You know, yep. at, uh, I watched the uh, Camille, uh, the Camille show not long ago. Oh, yeah. Camille. Yep. Um, you know, and I followed him for a couple of years. So, for uh, sure. You know, it seems like the races, I, I, I missed the Sugar Badger. I was a careful back here. I wanted to really do it, and I was kind of pumped on it because it's, I think as far as ultras go, it's not as challenging as, say, like Leadville or something, you know? And uh, I mean, as far as ultras go, and I'm still definitely back of the pack kind of guy. <laughs> Some DNFs in there. Yeah. So, I mean, anything that's, you know, relatively on the easier side of the spectrum, I'm usually all over it. Just, you know, just as I grow as a runner, uh, you know, and transition from a hiker over to the running community. Where, you know. Yeah. Um, how did this all start for you, man? Like, where did you grow up? And let's just start from the beginning and, and work our way through your whole story, man. Um, where'd you grow sure. up? So I grew up in a small town in Florida, uh, about an hour north of Tampa, the Crystal River, almost has the Springs area. Uh, like I said, it's in Citrus County. It's about an hour north of Tampa. And uh, I grew up there. And a, you know, a normal childhood, nothing crazy. We'd go out partying after high school, do the standard small town stuff. Um, eventually left home. You know, after high school, everybody in my class generally went into the army or somewhere like that. And I decided that I wanted to go follow the great cadet around. So uh followed the dead around for a bit, you know, got mixed up into pretty wild times. Uh found myself out in San Diego, California. And this is all prior to uh Blue hiking or anything. This is many, many years ago. Like, sure. I didn't know anything about blue hiking. Um, but I found myself in San Diego with a pretty nasty heroin habit and, a, you know, a, an alcohol problem that has tried to kill me ever since, really. Uh, now, I uh, got out of jail in San Diego and knew that the only way I was going to live that if I left California, the only way I had to leave California was to walk out of there. And that's uh, what I did. I walked down to San Diego with no formal training or you know, anything like unbeknownst to me that I was actually doing 
essentially a long distance hike, you know, right. um, wound up in Ashland, Oregon. And that was the first time that I'd ever met like people actually through hiking. And I was just amazed by it. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, there's this subculture of people that do this, you know, I'm like, you know, I was used to a background of riding freight trains around uh, hand handling and stuff like that, the dope money. And it was pretty frowned on in towns. It wasn't real acceptable. And I'm like, hey, you know, you guys are, are walking from town to town and you guys, they're okay with it. They're not running you out of town. And, and right. So from that point on, I just, you know, I, I actually did a southbound PCP hike, uh, well, from another PCP hike, but from Akron. Um, in 2012, I, you know, I, I was sleeping in the park in Ashland and wound up uh, saving up some cash, buying some, you know, middle of the road hiking gear. Then I wound up hiking south on the PCT and learning as much as I could about through hiking and about this whole subculture of, of through hiking. But it was just, I was just engulfed with it. I was amazed by like, wow, how come I've never even heard of this? How, how did I never not know anything about this? Mm -hmm. And I, and you know, after, uh, you know, I was walking back towards, you know, my downfall essentially, and I knew that. So I'd come off the trail and uh, before I got into my danger zone there, and I wound up in Utah, I worked, you know, I worked uh, out in Utah, I'm a cook by trade. So I'm actually a professional chef by trade. There's work everywhere. I went to work at uh, Park City or somewhere out there, one of, one of the resorts out in Utah. And, you know, uh, surrounding myself with other people with, you know, I was like, oh man, I just like the PCP. Okay, now I'm one of these guys. And, uh, you know, and, and that's how I spent, and that was, I think, the beginning of my recovery process. That was really the beginning. And there was some bumps in the road along the way. It hasn't always been easy, but that was the beginning of my recovery process when I was out there, regardless of what trail it was or what weather conditions were, what my bank account looked like, I was always content. I was always humble enough to just be there, you know, that I never felt like I needed that drink of alcohol or that shot of dope or whatever my fixation was for that week. I never needed that because I had a sunny day after it's been raining for a week. I had a warm day. I had a flushing toilet or a can of cold soda, you know? It was just the humbleness of it that really, like, I never needed anything else. I was there. I mean, and I try to live that way today, you know, like, I mean, I've got, you know, my regular job, I've got a million other things going on, but I still try to just live in that Wow, I, should, I I woke up today. That's a blessing, mm -hmm. you know. For for somebody like my background, that's that's a blessing for me because yeah. it's like you look at my graduating yearbook in small town Florida, and none of them folks are around me. Mm. 
You know, none of the people I graduated with, they're all gone. You know, and I'm talking 85, 90% of them are gone. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I really am lucky. I could be so appreciative for this. And that's, uh, that's ultimately what led me to start Trails and Recovery. Yeah. Just to try to shine that light and to try to show that a little bit to people that might be in dark places, you know? A hundred percent. And a lot of people are in dark places nowadays, you know, um, addiction is just going up, you know, there's more and more suicides nowadays. Um, it's, it's just getting worse out there as far as the mental health and addiction world. Um, unfortunately, um, people like people are overdosing in astronomical numbers with this fentanyl stuff. Now stuff is so bad. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's not the, the hardcore junkie living under a bridge that's, that's overdosing. It's, it's the weekend party goer that is not accustomed yeah. to this sort of a lifestyle and yeah, people yeah. are just overdosing like, like mad, but, okay. um, going back to your story. So you feel like it was the Apple or the Pacific crest trail that really sort of helped you in your recovery and healed you? Or was it that first initial walk out of San Diego? Well, you know, I think, um, I think the first initial walk was out of knowing. You know, I had spent uh, upwards of a month in jail. And, uh, and I knew mentally, like being in jail, you know, I didn't have any, any way to get any drugs in jail. So I, I think I in jail. Knowing that if I didn't leave there, that I was going to die. I was like, I'm going to die if I don't need to. So I think that first of all, it's really out of scaredness, out of just knowing this was going to happen to me. Um, and I don't think it was until the PCP, until I met up with the other three hikers, and I started learning a little bit about the community. I don't, I don't think it was until that point that I really felt like, wow, there's another mission here. There's, there's something, you know, this community and, and, and you know, you know, like the hiking community and the running community in general, it's just a very strong family of, of, of people, mm-hmm. you know, and it's amazing. Uh, and I, I think that was the PCP life that really did that and stopping at the little places along the way and just the people that you admit coming from like one side of the spectrum, being a train hopper, you know, a panhandler, just vagrant, who's going to another side of the spectrum and being actually like welcomed in towns and such, you know, and like people wanting to talk to you and, and learn your stories instead of running away from being scared, you know, because they're afraid you're going to uh, stab them or something. You know? You know, um, so yeah, I think uh, I guess they answer in such a question. I think it was a piece of you just meeting that first group of three hours back in the day that really kind of set it off for sure. Yeah, I mean, going back into your history, 
um, you know, you said that you've done some, some, uh, some train jumping back in the day. And I've talked to other people that have done the same thing. And I'm sort of accustomed to that lifestyle. And, you know, people are out flying signs and panhandling and looking for money and just jumping on a train to the, to, to the next stop. And I'm guessing that there's sort of a community in, in there. And then following the Grateful Dead around, that's another community in itself. So it sounds like community is sort of big to you. Like when someone accepts you, you, um, are, you, you know, you sort of fall into that. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I think uh, uh, to some degree you're correct on that. Um, definitely. But, uh, I mean, who doesn't, you know, I mean, who doesn't really want to feel wanted, you know? Oh, of course. Right um, you know, and luckily, like the hiking community, there's a, there's a lot more positive than the other two aforementioned uh, communities, you know, they were uh, both the same. I still love the Great Bed. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's great music. Uh, that lifestyle, though, can be, and, and for me, it was anyways, I can't speak for everybody, um, but both of the lifestyles were very good for me, to, to my well-being and to my health. Uh, you know, and it wasn't until the hiking community uh, was it really something that wasn't detrimental to my self-destruction. <laughs> it was something yeah. that was, uh, you know, something that came positive out of, out of darkness. So, um, I know that's the funny thing. I mean, I'm in the recovery world too, and um, you know, you can be someone can be falling down drunk on the streets and, and everyone turns their head and says, Oh, gross. Don't look at that guy. Let's walk away. And, yeah. but you can be falling down completely wasted on the trail and, and everybody's going to help you up and pat you on the back and say, come on, man, you can do it. And yeah, yeah. there's some similarities there, but it, it's a complete 180. It's not, you know, it's obviously a different lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. And there's, uh, you know, there's still so much stigma that evolves around, um, you know, around addiction that that it's still, I mean, you know, it's still frowned upon. And, and with the research that I've done uh, with the help of others, you know, I found that a lot of addictions, if not all addictions, come from some kind of mental health issue. Um, I've met with, you know, healthcare professionals that, that have done extensive research on mental health and found that a lot of alcoholics or drug addicts, there's all mental health issues back there somewhere. And, you know, when you start delving into the through hiking community or the long distance hiking and the ultra running community, there's a lot of humans out there too. There's a lot of like really big, big names in the community that have all ran from something, that have all, you know, chased something that, that are that are doing great now. They're doing amazing things because of the same, you know, the same thing. I think that they come from mental health issues. I mean, who in their right mind wants to run a hundred miles through the desert? So, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you had a pretty decent upbringing. How do you yeah. go from a decent upbringing to um, riding trains? Was it just a form of rebellion or do you think that was the start of some mental health issues or how did that go? I, I think 
you know, I uh, I think uh, I lost two really, really dear friends back when we were right at about the driving age, that 16-year-old lady. Um, and my mom likes to attribute some of my uh, anxiety issues and stuff like that with, with losing them. It was a pretty rough year for me. Um, so uh, Mike and Dave, I lost them. And just kind of when I lost them, I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to be in this town. Mm. There's nothing here for me. And we're, you know, we're talking now. Now I appreciate it. Uh, back then I was, you know, I was a young kid. I was ready for the good city. I mean, we used to drive down south to Tampa to go skateboarding and stuff like that because there was just nothing in our town. You know, it was a nothing town. And uh, there was just something about the big city that that drew my attention. And uh, so, you know, at the first chance I could, I mean, I was already kind of in the, you know, hippie phase, I guess, if you will, uh, where I was listening to the doors and Pink Floyd and stuff like that. First uh, sign of like the Grateful Dead came up, and I was like, and I hitchhiked down to Tampa and just never looked back. I spent, you know, the better part of three seasons just following them around, making grilled cheeses and stuff, and, uh, you know, indulging in different things that one might do on the dead floor. And, uh, you know, uh, I did that for a while, and I met a girl. She was a train girl, and she said, you want to ride a train? And, you know, I said, well, yeah, you're a pretty girl. Of course, I want to ride a train with you. And uh, you know, and she, you know, she liked to indulge in other harder substances. And actually, she said, "You want to try this?" And I said, "Sure, I want to try this." And uh, just so happened, I liked that a whole lot. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's really what started it all. You know, essentially from. From, uh, from about the age of seven or 18, give or take, right at like young adulthood. And I spent the better part of my 20s uh, on into my early 30s living like that. So, so uh, um, that girl was your, like your introduction to heroin? She was without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'd always drink. Um, I'd always drink like uh, socially beer, you know, uh, high school parties at the Packers or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually never really knew because I was so far into the opiate world how bad of an alcoholic I really was. And, you know, like, I mean, I think opiates were going to be the, the quick way out. Whereas in alcohol, like my late 20s, was really the thing that was gonna kill me. That was the thing that was putting me in the hospital every week. Um, they were pumping my pancreas and my liver because of the processing. Um, all of that was attributed, I think, to both of the victim toxin and different mm -hmm. uh, substances. But, uh, you know, alcohol, I never really realized it until. I stopped drinking every day and my anxiety like went through the roof and I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I haven't been a junkie in a long time, but I'm still an alcoholic. Mm. I need to change this too. This is yeah. the, this is gonna be the one that 
but then I had a doctor tell me that at one of my hospital stays, like he said, this is what's going to happen to you, and this is how it's going to happen, and it's not no fun, and I don't care, because you have to want to stop. Hmm. And I was like, this doctor is telling me that I'm grieving myself to death, and you know, I'm like, he's not pulling any strings right now. He's telling me exactly what's going to happen to me and that he doesn't care regardless because, and I was like, a, you know, a pretty good slap in the face to bring wake up call to go, wow, I need to stop this. You know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, totally. So, like, walk me through a typical day for you back in those days, um, you know, between riding trains and following the dead and, you know, you're, you're partying a lot, drinking, doing drugs, like, yeah, walk me through just a typical day for you back in those days. Oh, wow. So, while on the dead, there was always, I, you know, the, uh, in the dead days, I, I just refer to it as the, as the dead days. It was, uh, we were always hustling, making money, just uh, selling real cheeses or, you know, whatever, homemade jewelry and stuff. And uh, it wasn't so much hard drugs back then. But I'm sure they were there, but it was more experimenting with psychedelics and stuff like that um, than it was like after like two morning. Um, but we would just, uh, you know, it was, it, it was, 12 or 15 of us on the bus and we'd get up every morning we'd stay you know on lot pay 20 bucks for parking or whatever and stay the night on lot uh, take off to the next show after a day or two and then you know big rooms driving and that was pretty much it if we made enough money we'd get a hotel to the shower if there was like a week or so off in between shows then we'd go to a campground or a national park type thing um when I got into train riding and got into uh, riding crates all around, it was more so wake uh, up every day, have a couple beers, hopefully have a wake up. Um, and then, you know, I'll just use an example of like uh, in Chicago, we'd take the, the L you know, or, or the blue line, we take it down to Aurora or go out towards Joliet, um, away from the city and find, you know, a prominent area, a suburb or what have you. And we would hold cardboard signs up, you know, and uh, make our money for the day, get back on the same elf to, you know, three or four bucks, take it back into the city and do our stuff live on that as long as we could and mm. you know sleep beneath the bridges and, and back on the street corner wherever we could and that was pretty much a routine for the better part of the decade it was you know whether it be in like a sometimes we would you know if we get off the train in a city that we knew was not a not a big city, not a Chicago or a San Francisco or whatever. And you know, we try to fly that city, we call flying, we try to fly that city. And you know, if we could make a few hundred bucks, then we put that few hundred bucks, take it on into a big city where we could get the cheaper drugs. You know, and that's what we did for for a long, long time. Yeah. That was that was pretty much it every day. There was no 
you know, it's an everyday thing, what you did every day just to get back. Were you still in contact with your family at this point? Not as uh, nearly as much as I am now. Sure. It was uh, usually evolved around calling from a jail or calling from a hospital. Mm. Or maybe not even, maybe somebody calling from the hospital right. saying, we got to find this kid. <laughs> we got to find this kid's next to friend because he ain't going to make it another week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How many times do you think you ended up in jail or a hospital? Oh, geez. If, uh, yeah, the hospital was that, that, you know, I mean, I can't count the times I overdosed. Um, yeah. uh, a jail, there's like stupid misdemeanor stuff, probably 50 times, 60 times. Yeah shoplifting and you know uh, drunken public with a lot of them mm-hmm. possession i mean you know possession full substance uh, stuff like that yeah but quite a bit a lot of times i was in <laughs> i was getting out of jail so, it's a it's a rough life man it's a rough life it but really, yeah. but you know i'm out here on the outside looking in and just listening to your story and and you know, hustling around for extra money so that you can keep your adventure with the dead or keep train hopping, moving, doesn't sound that far off from being on the trail and just sort of like getting the miles in for the day, uh, getting some food at the end of the the, the trip, you know, like uh-huh. the, obviously there, there's no drugs and alcohol involved, but it sounds mm-hmm. sort of, sort of similar. Like you're not, you don't have a, a warm house with plumbing and a cold refrigerator. You're out there kind of roughing it on this mission. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I, people, you know, uh, like, like my, my mom and stuff have said, my brother's like, God, oh, isn't that much different for you? And I'm like, well, it, you know, it, it it, it is like in your aspect where, where you're like, uh, you're roughing it every day. You're just trying to get through the day, putting the miles in. Um, obviously, I don't fly cardboard anymore. I I work I work an honest job now, but uh, um, it is it's still living minimal. So I think somewhere I think even back in the days, even though I didn't know that I was living so minimal that I, it still has transferred over, I think, to some degree where I'm still pretty content with the backpack and a trail in front of me now, you know. Um, like you said, there's no uh, drugs and alcohol out. I mean, it's, you know, it's over, I'm over here on the AC now. Um, and, and, you know, it's been known as like a party trail. So... And you see that, but you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of people that are kind of doing exactly what I was doing back in 2012. You know, you see people that are out here searching. You know, mm-hmm. they're out here, and, and I guess when I see them, people and they're, they're searching, I, I I try to pull them away from that party scene a little bit. You know, I try. I say, hey man, let's let's you know, let's hang out. Let's do this. You know, you don't. Uh, this is a cool hostel. I try to show them a hostel that maybe isn't necessarily a party-related hostel, or something. You know, not pulling business away from anybody or anything. Just 
I, I try to be that clutch for them there of going, oh, I don't, you know, old Boxcar doesn't drink anymore. We don't have to party it up. We can hang out and have fun and listen to the dead still and do whatever, you know? And, uh, totally. And yeah. you don't have to get blacked out, wasted on the trail and, and you know, lose our gear or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can actually get up and hike in the morning. Like you're like, you're supposed to do rather than be hung over. You said you're on the AT right now. Are are you actually doing a through hike right now and you're stopped at a hostel or no, no. So, uh, so I hiked in 2018 and I hiked Northbound on the AT. Okay. I, uh, came, my buddy owns a hostel here, uh, called deep cloth hostel. Okay. Give him a little uh, shameless plug. Yeah, <laughs> he owns it in Hampton, Tennessee. Um, and uh, I came off the trail here for a leg injury, and I was here about two weeks and just fell in love with eastern rural Tennessee. Oh, cool! And uh, I actually got the opportunity, so I stayed there for you know a couple of weeks. I had the opportunity to come back during COVID or right prior pre-COVID. Uh, like late 2019 as uh, an executive chef at a resort up here. Oh, cool. So I, yeah, I jumped on it. I was like, oh, it's in the hiking community. It's right on the AT. It's a resort, so they're paying me pretty good. And, uh, you know, I did that up all through COVID. We stayed Mm -hmm. open, surprisingly. Um, Now this year, we shut down about four months early. So, because uh, we couldn't staff, we just could not stay in, you know, small town Tennessee. And uh, I was kind of back at square one going, man, okay, well, I, you know, I've got my into my savings, and these are my goals that I really have been working towards for myself as far as financially goes. And I said, what am I, you know, I said, the resort closed now, they're in the process of selling. And uh, my another buddy of mine out, here in East Tennessee, who owns another hospital, said, "Man, I need uh, I need a cook to help me with the uh, southbound season." He's like, "Free room and board, and, you know, this is what I could pay you." Perfect. And I just need, you know, and he's like, "I could really use you, you know, somebody of your caliber on next year when the bubble of hikers come through." And I said, "Well, I said, you know, I said there's a race, there's a few races that I'm gonna do." So as long as we square that away, I said, there's, you know, four or five races I want to do. And there's an FKT that I want to do. I want to do an FKT in 2022. I said, as long as we're square on that, then I'll help feed hikers. I was like, you know, I was like, I love feeding hikers. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, so that's where I'm at. We had actually talked about uh, maybe uh, like diving into the world of race directing a little bit. Maybe putting on. Uh, I've started a couple groups around here in East Tennessee for like East Tennessee trail runners. There's just beautiful mountains, tons of great trails, and there's no like little groups of people that get together on you know Monday afternoons and go for a long run. There's uh, you know there's nothing like that. So I said let's grow this small rural community. Maybe we could put a race on in the future, you know, or do something like that. I don't know anything about race directing, but, you know, start poking around a little bit for 2022 and see what we can find. Yeah. You know? Well, that's cool, man. You know? That's really cool. Yeah. I like it. 
Um, going back again, just a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of like your walk out of San Diego, like you had just gotten out of jail. You knew that if you stayed in town, you were going to die there. And you say that because that's where, you know, I'm speaking for you, but I'm guessing that you knew where the drugs are in town. You knew where the people were in town that are going to get you into trouble. And so I have to flee this town just to save my own life. And so as you're walk, as you're walking to Oregon, I mean, how far is that? First of all, Oh, it's uh, 1100 miles. Or so maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that was your first, that was your first big hike. And so, walk, yeah. yeah, I'm just like picturing you like with a shitload of steam to blow off, like a lot <laughs> yeah. of steam to blow off for this long walk. Um, mm-hmm. Are you like active? Are you still using while you're on this walk? Are you looking for some sort of recovery or a program? Did you ever use a program? Um, what was that? What was that initial walk like? No. So, you know, it's. My my reasoning the day, and I had thought about this probably the last week or so I was in jail, like trying to get my mindset right going. All I got to do is jump on the border to Tijuana, you know, and I, I, I knew all the tools, I knew all the, you know, I knew how to make money. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is, you know, I really, I mean, honestly, what I did was I just prayed and I prayed and I said, I'm going to. I'm gonna die if I stay here. I don't want to die. You know, I, I don't. And so I left down there and I didn't lose. I was tempted a few times when I got up around my channel as a bit I spent a few days in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, um, just kind of resting up and, and resupplying, you know, I guess resupplying what I call resupplying now. Um, but never, I always knew mentally that, like, if I use again, that it was just going to be a big vicious cycle, that it wasn't going to be, I'm going to have one hit, you know, or I'm going to have, I'm not the guy that can have a couple beers after work, and, you know, I'm the guy that has a couple beers and you find it a month later four states away, and that's the same with the opiates. I knew mentally that if I stopped somewhere and I popped a bag of dope, that I was going to wind up in that place. It just wouldn't have been San Diego, San Francisco, or San Francisco, or anywhere up and down the coastline there that I was on. It would have been the same scenario, and, you know, I knew that I might not get another chance. So I, I had already had that mindset that no matter what, I wasn't going to open it to me. Mm. Were you drinking at that time? I was. I was drinking still. Okay. Um, I, I was still drinking, so I was an alcoholic still. Sure. Um, and uh, no, uh, no treatments. Now I have, uh, in, in more recent times, just gone and spoke at uh, different treatment facilities and different, uh, like, celebrate recovery meetings and some different churches and stuff that focus on recovery. Uh, kind of gone and gave my testimony and shared that with people, but I've never, uh, I've never physically went through like a 12 step 
or anything like that. Um, but I was just always on the move, I guess. You know, I've just always been on the move, like never really settled down and took roots to anything. But, uh, and, you know, that was still going on, I guess, now to this sure. day. It's still kind of. Um, I don't think that 12 steps are necessarily the way for everybody. You know, I think that it's an avenue and I think that it's very helpful for people, but I don't think it's the way for everybody, but I'm curious if you like avoided it for a reason, did you have a certain aversion to like working the 12 steps or? No, no, not at all. I, I think I just feel exactly like you do that it probably, it, it, and I don't know because I never tried it, that it probably wasn't at that time something that would have just appealed to me it wasn't sure. something that now i had tried uh in, 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 in AA for you know in AA where it works for a lot of people and it's a great thing and glad it's there um the few AA meetings i went to i honestly don't think that it really did anything for my mental health or my mental clarity like i left there worse than I was when I went and that just me personally that's <laughs> I've, I've been there <laughs> and I'm like nah this isn't you know I don't think I'm wired that way where it's, it's something for me and, and it's something for a lot of people and it's an amazing thing but it's uh it's not my thing yeah. you know and I uh and so I you know like I said I agree with you there it's just it's not wired for everybody it's, it's for sure you know and that's it yeah like the the trails are your thing that is what it sounds like keeps you sober um so like what happens when you're having a rough day now um like if you're having a rough day and say thinking about picking up a drink or thinking about using or something like that do you just go out for a long walk or what does that look like now Exactly. You hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, I used to like if if, if something happened, uh, a traumatic moment or just a bad day, you know, it all happened. My instinct would be to run down to the corner, get a 12 pack, and pound them away, you know, or whatever. Um, now it's to lace up my sneakers and go for a run, mm-hmm. go for a walk, to, you know, and then like, I mean, I find very, very rarely after I go for a two or three mile walk or a run or a jog or whatever, that I come back and that little problem that I was going to make a huge problem is gone. Yeah. I put on my earphones, put on some music, go, go walk, yeah. go run. Yep. And I come back and it's gone. That problem's gone. Where yeah. But, yeah. but I think to some degree, it's mentally knowing too that if I would have gone and got a 12 pack, it probably, if the problem would have went away. Temporarily. Temporarily. And then this other huge problem would have transpired from that. Totally. That I would have lost everything that I worked for that I've been working for. You know, it would have, in a way, the cause of that. So I try to stick to that kind of mental clarity going, man, I'm having a really bad it was just sucks. Okay, go for a run, test yourself, see if yeah. you could get, you know, your best mile in. You know, start planning uh another hike. Uh anything to keep my mind occupied 
off the my human you know whether it be walking running planning my next break planning my next fight going through my fear going man what what do i need to replace do i need to upgrade or downgrade anything do i need to and then the next thing you know it's like that, that problem's gone awesome. yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah you know um, I want to ask you something that it, it might be a hard question. I don't know, but like, um, wh- like, what do you, what do you do to, to maintain your long-term sobriety? Like what happens if God forbid this, you know, I'm not wishing this on you, but say you lost a leg uh, and you couldn't hike or you couldn't run ever again, like in your main fallback thing to stay sober and stay mentally healthy is taken away from you. Like, do you have a, a backup plan in place there? You know, I, uh, I, I don't really. I, I mean, I would like to think that uh, mentally I'd be strong enough to maybe turn to, you know, like if I couldn't walk anymore, I couldn't run anymore, transferring that energy into talking about walking or running or really viewing and focusing on more public speaking, more like trying to take that that energy and put it into something else, whatever it may be that wasn't self-destructive, put it into a positive energy and kind of try to shine that way or you know if that makes sense at all. Like yeah. um but you know I haven't obviously I mean I haven't thought about it like that uh um long-term sobriety it's just i just know that if i drink i die if i yeah. do opiates i die um i won't even say i had actually i went through back in july i had some skin cancer in my shoulder i uh, went through a pretty extensive skin cancer uh surgery uh-huh. and you know they wanted to give me uh oxycodone or okay and I said, no, yeah. <laughs> this is why you can't give you, they said, well, you're going to be in pain. I said, I don't like to take aspirin if I can help it. I don't want to band-aid something anymore. I want to, I want to fix the problem as mm-hmm. opposed to just sitting. And that's all, I think that's all that alcohol and drugs are. They're a band-aid to something that you have. Totally. But they don't fix this. They're just abandoned. And yeah. I think that with the humbleness, that, I mean, obviously, long distance backpacking isn't going to be for everybody. Running 100 miles is not going to be for everybody. Right. And my point, I guess, that I'm trying to get across is that it has nothing to do really with the long distance fighting or the running 100 miles as much as it does with the mental clarity it's that finding that positive outlet which just so happens to be for me long distance backpacking and running finding that positive outlet that instead of you know i mean your your kid might be crocheting and you know by all means, if that if that keeps you from running to the bottle or to the needle or the pipe or whatever, 
I know, man. It's so nice when you can just cut things down to the simplicity of life. Just a, a, a warm, sunny day, a nice, easy hike, a nice climb yeah. up a mountain with a backpack. It's so simple and so rewarding. And especially when you've tasted the other life, you know, you know what it's like to hustle around for drug money every day, just so that you can stay well, so that, you know, oh, you yeah. don't feel like shit, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't even want to do the drugs. You want to stop, but you feel horrible without them. So you have to get the drugs, you know? Yeah. And so when you've tasted that life, like, yeah, just cutting things down to a backpack and a hike is just so uh, rewarding once you've caught on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's just amazing. And I think, you know, I always tell people like if I'm if I'm speaking at like trail days or if there's a a, a bunch of hikers here and I'm talking to them a little bit, uh, you know, I always say, I say, man, you know, I say, you, you get here and you get that can of soda and you go to the bathroom and take a hot shower and you know you've been on the trail the last six hundred miles, you know, and um. I said, you know, you can see the look on your face when you're sucking down the soda, how good, you know, how, how refreshing it is, how rewarding it is. And I said, can you imagine if everybody in the world went on a little hike and found that clarity, found that rewardingness, like where you just like take everything, like the simplest of things that you take for granted every day and go, mm-hmm. and the world just bound to be a better place, I think. Totally. I mean, it, it yeah. doesn't have a choice. It's just like if everybody was as humble as a through hiker was or as a person at mile 86 at the aid station, chomping down a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The world would be a better just, place. It just has to be. I mean, there's not just physics and it's just, you know, and that's that's cool to me to think like that. Like, well, if we could just keep everybody that mentality, then it'd be awesome. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, um, I'm curious, where do you want to take this uh, project of yours? It's uh, this business of yours, like it sounds like, you know, you want to help people that are struggling, and you want to encourage people to get out on the trails, whether that's hiking or running. But like, where do you see this thing a few years down the road? Well, you know, I would like to, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not real good at the computer stuff. I'm not really good at networking um and i'm kind of a slacker because i'm doing my own stuff i know it sounds good but but, um so you know i'm working with a couple other people right now um one of them is a mental health professional um and i'm working with another partner friend um who's trying to help me kind of get out there a little bit you know um where i'd like to see it is we're working on some speaking events right now. Uh, you know, we're keeping it like a trail day. There's the Florida trail kickoff. There's a couple of race events that I'm going to do, like a, a free race of uh, speaking at. 
Um, and then, like, essentially, like, to me, it's, like, the long-term effects of this, I would really love to take a candidate out of recovery, um, maybe even, like, use of speaking at some prisons for, uh, you know, prisoners in recovery. Um, it, it, in long-term, to be able to take individuals not necessarily on long distance, like, you know, uh, maybe high, maybe one day we'll see, you know, how it can. Um, but just getting a group of people together and even taking them on an overnight backpacking trip or just a trip like a, a point A to point B, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one day uh, 20 miles or, or, you know, a two day 20 mile hike. Uh, it just kind of showing them the fundamentals, um, showing people that might not have never experienced uh, running the five stage, but that, that has interest in that five stage, and just showing them like the community that's involved around that. And, and I think that's a huge part of, you know, recovery is surrounding yourself too, is with, uh, you know, with, 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 with people that are like-minded as well that yes 100 uh, for me i mean i run you know to be honest my 5k is like in that 35 to 40 minute range i'm not fast and i'm not fast on basement but that's right when i cross that finish line in the way back of the pack probably maybe even dead last they're still cheering for me. They're still patting me on the back when I come across the finish line. And the support in the community is still there. Of course. And, you know, it's the same with biking. It doesn't matter, man. You show up to the hostel or you show up to camp at the end of the night. It doesn't matter if you walk 700 miles or if you walk seven miles. You showed up at the camp and now you're at camp and now you're family. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that, I think that, kind of support to go a long way for people in recovery, mm -hmm. that kind of positive support. And I mean, you know, we can go into what it does for a person's self-esteem and stuff like that. You feel, I feel good when I cry, even though I know I'm not breaking the ribbon, I still feel good when I come across the finish line. Because oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I did yeah. more than a lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. And exposing other people to that is, is, so clutch, you know, and it's just a big part of service, which is a big thing that people in recovery end up doing because it makes them feel better. It makes them feel worthwhile. Um, I'm curious, do you have like a support network of like close men that you're able to call if you're ever in a pinch and having bad thoughts or uh, something bad happened today and I'm, i just need somebody to talk to do you do you, or do you see a therapist or like what do you do um, to I, to maintain your your um your a clean mental slate yeah well for me for me i do have i do have a therapist okay um and for me, I, uh, I, I do my, well, I don't know, uh, one of my partners in this trail to recovery, she is a mental health professional as well. And if I, you know, um, uh, you know, it hasn't, I mean, it hasn't, you know, been too many bad days in there, but if I am having a bad day, I reach out to her 
Good. And, uh, and you know, that goes like on our Facebook page. I tell everybody, um, anybody, and I try to do that on my on my personal page. Obviously, on the trails and recovery page, uh, I'm I'm in, like a lot of my social media outlets. That if anybody is out there, you know, I you know, I I am twenty four seven support if anybody ever needed anybody to talk to about anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be bad. If they don't have anybody to talk to about something good, my number is posted everywhere, and I don't mind any time. You know, if somebody needs something, then I, I'll be a shoulder for sure. So, yeah, that's um, cool, man. And, and, yeah, for sure. And I and I have people that I feel like that too that I can call. Uh, you know, friends, uh, family. Right? Even though family, I don't really call a whole lot. Um, like my mom, she just doesn't understand the, the recovery road. Right. Same with my mom. Have, yeah, they just don't. They don't. I mean, they're there for love and support. They don't know what you're going through, you know. Um, but I have a network of friends too that have been in recovery that that you know. That, that made it out too, uh, you know. Unfortunately, there's far more of us that didn't make it out. But I do have a close network of even some friends from back in the Facebook Ed days that uh mm-hmm. that I'm still in touch with, and, and they're in recovery, and they've been in recovery for the last, you know, 12 years, 15 years, and you know, if I'm having a bad day or something like that, and thankfully I haven't had things, you know, I just. If, if, if I feel like I'm in a, a pissing mood or something like that, then I'll just go for a run mm-hmm. or I'll go for a walk. And, yep. you know, and that's, that's, the, that's, you know, and it, it's worked for me. I mean, that's the best therapy right there. You know, yeah, um, if, yeah. if you can tap into it, you know, trying to explain to somebody who isn't into the outdoors, like if you go out for a walk or you go out for a run, it's going to make you feel better. And I've been on that other side too, where people are telling me that and I'm down in down deep in my hole. And I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do is go outside for a walk. You know, I'm I'm feeling like shit today. Yeah. But it really is the thing that if you can force yourself to do it, you get some sunshine, you know, walk, breathe deep, run. If you can, you're going to feel so much better, but yeah, sometimes it's hard to relate that to people. It yeah. really is. It's so hard. And, and especially if it just is your dream. And, you know, that's why I said, you know, at first I was all about like, let's show, let's show. I'm going to go. That isn't everybody's dream. That isn't, everybody's not going to want to run a 5K. Everybody's not going to want to go on a hike. Some people don't even want to go outside. Yeah. So that's where we need to channel into finding what they do want. What, totally. what's their what's that outlook gonna be? Yeah. You know, if it's not what you know, and then how can we tie in the love from like the running from the IT community? How can we tie it into this passion? Right. And yeah, you know what I'm like you, you said, know, crocheting. You know, if crocheting is your avenue yeah. to get you sober and keep you mentally healthy, then I support it. And I'm sure there's yeah, a crocheting yeah. group out there that can get your back. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, whatever it is. I mean, there's and, and you know, just finding that and channeling that is where you get in that mindset of going. 
man, I'm having a horrible day. I want to go to the casino, whatever, just hypothetically, you know, whatever your POC is. And then going, nah, man, I got to finish up that blanket. My grandma's birthday is coming up. Or, <laughs> you know, it's finding that channeling outlet and trying to find positivity there to go, okay, now I don't want to do this anymore. Now my natural instinct, instead of grabbing a sixer, is hitting on my running shoes. Yeah. Yep. That's like my first instinct anymore is not even thinking about wanting to drink. Like, it's not even like, you know, I'm so, I don't want to say so far past that, but in a sense, I'm so far past it. Like, I don't even think, like, I'm having a bad day. My instinct is still for running. Yeah. Eventually it's the desire true. leaves you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been sober now, Boxcar? Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I've been sober since 2012. From okay. Now alcohol took me a little bit longer and, uh, I did relapse back in 2018. I, uh, I lost my father and I went through a pretty nasty divorce and I relapsed in September of 2018. Um, wound up in jail uh, in September. Drunk in public stuff. It was you know, bar fight type stuff. Uh, nothing that was really on my permanent record. But no, nevertheless, um, and then I got sober. I got sober February of 2019. Okay. Alcohol, and I haven't had uh, one drop of alcohol since 2019. Nice. Prior to that, uh, prior to my little relapse when I lost my father, I had been sober since 2015. Mm-hmm. So, and then I've been sober since 2015. And then I had, you know, I lost a parent, went off the deep end with the divorce, and I forgot about tying on my running feet. Yeah, uh, but you came back. Um, I did. Coming back I did, is the important part, yeah. you know? Yep. I mean, yeah slipping up is part of the process, you know, relapse, unfortunately, is part of um, recovery, you know, when someone's getting clean, um, they're, it's statistically, they're almost guaranteed to relapse, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like AA and NA really only help like 10% of people who walk through those doors. But that those numbers are bigger than any other numbers, you know, statistically Mm -hmm. speaking, we're miracles oh, yeah. to be sitting here having this conversation, you know? Yeah, so yeah, um, coming back is the most important part. You know, I it's do a little bad. bit of uh, meditation and, and just the, from what I've learned in, in, in practicing meditation, like when your mind wanders, it's okay. Mm-hmm. That's part of the process. You just have to bring mm-hmm. it back to that stillness and breath and presence. And then your mind's going to wander again and that's okay. And you just bring it back to that breath again. And it's the same yeah. thing with, it's, it's the same thing with addiction, man. I mean, you may fall yeah. off the wagon for a day or a month, but as long as you come back and stay on the program, that's the most important part. And that's what, and I think I knew back in 2018, I knew when I went to get that first Pack or whatever, I knew that it was bad. I knew where I was going to wind up mm-hmm. prior to ever putting it. I, I knew, you know, and I think I was so far in the um having to sign, like, like I said, I'd lost my dad 
having to sign the papers over for him to go to hospice, um, you know, and then the woman of my dreams, like, thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. And I, and it, it, it's just an excuse. It's nothing, you know, I think I was so overwhelmed with grief that I almost, even though I knew how bad it was going to be, I, I wanted it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted it. That's and the sickness. That's yeah, the alcoholic like, mindset. You're like, even if you know, yeah. yeah, like even if you know I'm going to end up in jail in a week from now, I, I know where this is going to go, but you know what? I just have to go to the I'm liquor store and do it. this thing. It's a sickness, yeah. man. It really is. Yeah. And I still, I knew, you know, and I knew that if I put my hiking shoes on, that I could have jumped on a Greyhound bus and drove to the AC and went for a hike. I knew that too, but yeah. it's like with addiction. I mean, that was the one thing that I wanted was to, I wanted to self-destruction because I was in such a grief stricken despair that, yeah. you know, it's just uh, depressing at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I get it. Yeah, and that is and, you know, uh, I, I've discussed it with my therapist too. That uh, you know, that's uh, that's not uncommon. That's all You know, in, in trauma situations like that, that is when they usually do relapse. And maybe, you know, it's not a. But uh, I had something peeping at me. I don't know if my headphones are dying or. Oh. Can you still hear me, Adam? I can still hear you for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, man, where can people find you and how can people support your mission? Hey, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Facebook page is just Facebook slash Trails of Recovery. Trails of Recovery. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if you do Google for my personal page, uh, that has my contact information on it as well. It's Boxcar Heights. And then on uh, Instagram, it's the same thing. It's trail underscore of underscore recovery. Okay. I'll and, put a link uh, in the notes. So that... Oh, boxcar yeah, hikes. Yeah. yeah, that's my personal pages. Uh, that's like, you know, my personal pages. You can reach out to me. I even think my phone number is listed there. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody who ever feels like they need anybody to talk to. I'm always available. I, I make time for anybody who needs a shoulder for sure. So, uh, but yeah, you can find my information, all the stuff like that on there. Um, have some YouTube videos up. Nothing really, um, nothing really elaborate. I'm not good with that stuff at all. Um, but I do have some of my long distance hikes listed on my boxcar hike page. Um, some, uh, some kind of testimonies and stuff on trails and recovery page. Uh, like I said, though, I'm not very computer savvy, so don't expect no professional video quality or anything. But no, no. I try to keep uh, my Facebook page there. I try to keep it updated at least once a week with kind of what's going on with us, what we have in the plans, uh, you know, anything new and exciting coming up. And we definitely try to keep everybody updated on that. And, uh, obviously Instagram for our pictures and stuff like that. So, yep. Yep. Um, awesome. Awesome. 
Cool, man. Well, I will put a link to all that stuff in the show notes. And um, listen, man, just thanks for coming on and and thanks for what you're, what you're trying to do, man. I mean, you've, you've come through this thing, you know, you come through this hard thing and you're just here trying to help other people going through similar things. And I I appreciate that, man. I mean, that's pretty much what we're trying to do too. And um, we need, need more people like you just to, just to, shine your light, you know, and sometimes that's all you're doing is just shining your light, but you never know who's paying attention. You never know who's listening. So just keep doing what you're doing, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Showing people that, hey, I was, uh, if you could see how far in the bottom of the barrel I was, then you would have never thought that I could have come back. Yeah, 100%. Well, in closing, man, what would you say to anybody who is maybe struggling? Maybe they're wondering if they have a drinking problem, or maybe they know they have a drinking problem and they just don't know how to navigate the next step. Or, you know, there was a time in my life, I just couldn't stop drinking, man. I just couldn't stop, you know, and I would tell myself tonight, I'm going to stop tomorrow. I'm going to stop. And I just couldn't stop. I mean, what would you say to that person that's maybe listening and, and struggling? Man, I don't, you know, uh, I, uh, I had a fellow reach out to me the other day, a hiking buddy that I had met, he was a, he's a bad alcoholic, uh, and he said, uh, man, I want to hang out with you, but I don't want to hang out because I've been drinking a lot. And he goes, it's okay, man, you know? He said, I just love it. He said, I love it so much. I love this. And he said, hey, man, I'll hang out with you, too, you know? Uh, what I would tell him is just not to give up. Just, you know, uh, what worked for me, you know, I was lucky enough. I had an a Alabama teacher who's a mentor who's like-minded like me. And, uh, you know, that 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 path worked for me. Um, it might not work for everybody. Uh, I, I would just say never to give up. It's just mm-hmm. never, never give up. I mean, you, you know, even on the bad days, even on the good days, and, and just, you know, if, if, if you're thinking you have a problem, then you probably do have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily try to give any advice. I'd just be an ear to listen to. Mm, there you go. You know, I'd be somebody to listen to. And, and, you know, if they wanted my advice, then I would give them my truthful opinion. But, mm-hmm. really, yeah. I'd just listen yeah. That's a fantastic answer because realistically, most people aren't going to change unless they really, really want to. And unfortunately, most people have to hit a real bottom in order to, to really want to change, to hit it. You know, they have to hit that low rock bottom, whatever that is. Yep. And some people's bottoms are lower than others. And, you know, luckily mine wasn't the lowest in the world, you know, but Mm -hmm. I finally wanted to make that change. And it's like, I knew I had to do something or something bad was going to happen. Like I was probably going to die. And yeah, yeah, you just, you sometimes you can't talk someone into getting sober, you know, as much as we'd like to, they're not ready. They're just not ready. You know, you got to let them almost live it out. Yeah. That's why I have an aunt who's uh, my my cousin. Uh, he's in prison now, and I think he's going to be in like seven years or something. But you know, uh, came from essentially a golden spoon. You know, uh, 
she never wanted for anything, never needed for anything. And she just took a heroin and he's been to very reputable rehabilitation centers throughout for years and years, in and out of rehabs and jails. And my aunt said, What what can we do? And she's crying to me, you know, and she's like, What can we do? And I said, Aunt Mother, you can't really do nothing until he wants to. You mm -hmm. can't, you know, I said, you just don't give up on him. That's the biggest, just don't give up on him. Yeah. You know, but he's, you know, you're just, you know, that's all, you just got to be there for him as much as you do pushing the trails and running and everything else down the throat. You just got to be there for him and, and, and hope. Pray, you know, for my, my, my faith, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You need well, listen, man, thank you so much for doing this. It was a great conversation. And stay in touch, man. Please stay in touch. Like, if yeah, you ever need anything sure, from me, sure. reach out, dude. If you need somebody to talk to, reach out. My line is open to you anytime. Awesome. And yeah, um, to anybody mm -hmm. listening, but yeah, Boxcar said his number is right on his Facebook page. Call him up. He's there to yeah. talk. So yeah. he's been yeah. through it. He's been through it all. He knows what it's, what it's all about. So if you need help, reach out to this guy and, and, yeah. you know, he's he might not be able to, uh, to totally, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes, yeah. you know, people will reach out to me and I might not even have the right answers, but I might have the right direction to point them in. Like, look, man, you're going through something that I've never experienced, but I know somebody that has, so I can at least point you to this person who might be able to help you better than me, you know? So even if I can't help you, I'll do my best to, to set you on track. But um, yeah. And same thing with boxcar, man, reach out to this guy. He is uh, legit. Nice. Well, cool brother. Um, great talk. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks so um, much we'll just keep doing what you're doing, brother. Absolutely. Yes, you're welcome on the show anytime and uh, hey. stay in touch, man. Yeah, cool, brother. Sure, definitely. Awesome. Okay. Thanks so much, Adam. You got Thanks. it. Take Stay care, in. William. Have a good one. Yep. You too, bud. All right, guys. Uh, heartfelt thank you for listening and hanging out until the end of the show. I really, really appreciate you guys. I'd like to give a shout out to all of our sponsors. First of all, Exoskin. Their running apparel keeps you comfortable in absolutely any condition. Say goodbye to chafing and blisters. Check them out, exoskin.us. Use our discount code, capital BTC, for 15% off. Real quick, I want to tell you guys about Bigger Than the Trail. Bigger Than the Trail is a 501c3 tax-exempt organization that is using trail running as a platform to advocate for mental health. If you've ever thought about getting therapy and aren't exactly in a position where you can afford it right now, Bigger Than the Trail offers you free therapy for up to three months. No strings attached, you guys. This is, this is really, really cool what these guys are doing. I couldn't love what they're doing anymore, in fact. Uh, I signed up. It was quick. It was easy. They matched me with a therapist that met my personal criteria, and I meet with them once a week. I'm trying this thing. You guys should try this thing, and we can all do this together. Look up Bigger Than the Trail. Sign up for their services, and let's do the small things in life that eventually lead us to doing the big things. Please let them know we sent you. We also want to thank our good friends at Alter Ego Running. 
They make premium performance hats, and who doesn't need a good hat when you're out running or on an adventure? These hats should be your go-to on your everyday runs, epic adventures, and just cruising around town. Check out Alter Ego Running. Use our promo code, capital Do Big Things, all caps, for 20% off. This podcast is also brought to you by our good friends at On Pace Wellness. Contact them if you need to get your nutrition on track. Mention this podcast. He's going to give you a 10% discount and get you properly tuned up. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Brewing, the finest, in my opinion, non-alcoholic craft beer on the market. Check out athleticbrewing.com. Use my discount code, McRobertsA20, all caps, for 20% off the best non-alcoholic beer around. Enjoy the taste without the hangover. All right, guys, find us at big-things-crewing.com or patreon.com slash do big things. Life is short. Do big things, baby. Pedro, thanks for a run, homie.